Why why do you do it to yourself, John? Why do you do it? You sat you sat here yesterday and you said reluctantly you said I shouldn't pick the Bears, but I'm going to pick the Bears. And look what happened. Look where you are. You're you're pissed off. You're angry. You're sad. You didn't think it'd get worse than it did last week against Tennessee. Oh contraire, my friend. It got way worse. Hey, what's going on? Yerks here. Welcome to Yerks Talks. Ah, man, the Bears. The Bears. It is Tuesday, November 17th. Oh, we're going to get right into it, man, because I got to get over this and get on with the rest of the topics for today. So we had Monday Night Football last night. Vikings, Bears, and unfortunately, I apologize if you had to watch any of this game. I apologize if you followed me on Snapchat. You can you can unfollow if you want, but I've been posting a lot of sports stuff on there, and I was just ranting and raving about the Bears last night. Pitiful. They lose to the Vikings 19-13. to Pitiful. It was absolutely atrocious. Started off like I thought it was going to. Great defense. As always, just fantastic defense. And then yet again... The offense just completely lets them down. First drive for Minnesota, the the Bears defense, they force a fumble, get the turnover, and then two plays later, Bears give it right back. Nick Foles drops drops back to pass, and all night he just looked very timid back there. Not in control, not what you want from your quarterback at all. He goes back there, right? Now the offensive line stinks, I'm aware. But he had time last night. In the first couple drives, he had time, and he was missing people. In this case, second play of the game for the Bears offense. Goes back to pass. He has Anthony Miller wide open, middle of the field, and he throws it behind him and high. Now, Anthony Miller, I think, is a really great wide receiver. When he's on the field, he is he's awesome. And I think it's a catch that a good wide receiver should make. So I think that he should make it. Allen Robinson in that situation, I think, comes down with it. But the the throw by Foles is bad. It really is. And so it gets tipped up in the air, picked off by Harrison Smith, the Viking safety. And the Bears, once again, are in, you know, they have to come back on the field. It's like, ah, of course. It's awful, right? So they do their job. The Bears defense, they do their job. They contain Dalvin Cook all night. All night, he finished with 96 yards. You're thinking, oh, that's kind of a lot. He carried the ball 30 times. And if not for the injury to Akeem Hicks, the Bears' defensive tackle, he gets nowhere near 96. You're looking at maybe 70 yards at the most. All right? Hicks was a monster last night. The whole Bears' defense was a monster last night. Khalil Mack, he made an interception in the second half. Adam Thielen had an uncharacteristic drop. He also, uh, yeah, he had an uncharacteristic drop that fell into uh, Khalil Mack's hand, and I was screaming at the television, score, score, because your offense can't do it. They're terrible. Roquan Smith, the linebacker, he had a great game. as well. He was all over the field, leads the team in sacks this year. I believe he's now sixth in the league in total tackles. Or not leads, sorry, leads the, lead, leads the team in tackles, not sacks. My apologies there. Secondary was good. 
Uh, rookie for the Vikings, Justin Jefferson, he had a good day. Eight catches for a buck 35. He had a long of 54. So other than that, he was kind of contained. Again, your defense holds the Vikings offense with Dalvin Cook, who's been on a tear. Great weapons on the outside with Jefferson and Adam Thielen to 19 points. What more do you want them to do? I mean, your your offense didn't even score in the second half. That that touchdown in the second half was a kickoff return by Cordero Patterson, who was great last night. He he really stepped up. David Montgomery out with a concussion, and he he tried his best. But man, this offense, oh my gosh, I don't know. I can't explain it. It's unfathomable to me how bad they are. The special teams had more yards than the offense. I'm going to say that again because it is batshit insane. The special teams had 186 yards last night. Now, when your special teams returns a touchdown, returns a kick or a punt for a touchdown, it has over a hundred yards in re- like a hundred yards in return yards. I mean, that's like you've won that phase of the game, right? The NFL it's broken down into three three phases basically, like time of possession, right? Like if you, like do you win the offensive battle, so time of possession and turnovers, right? Do you win that battle? That's partly defense as well, and then you have a special teams, right? Can are you good in all three phases? Well, the Bears were great. Borderline unbeatable in two of the three phases. You get a kickoff return to start off the second half. You get a good couple of good punt returns in the second half as well. Your defense forces two turnovers, holds Dalvin Cook, the best running back in the NFL right now, to under 100 yards on 30 carry. The average just over three yards a carry. This guy has been averaging... North north of four or five yards a carry. He's been unstoppable. Had over 200 yards against Detroit last week. And the Bears contained him. You get 186 yards from your special teams, and your offense puts up 41 on the ground and 124 through the air. What the hell? I mean, what the hell? Now... Special teams, they did muff a punt, which sucked. That was the second turnover of the game, which was a bummer. Dwayne Harris, he fumbled, lost on the muff punt. That was awful. And then Anthony Miller came back up there and got a couple good returns. But, man, I don't want to hear the offensive line excuses here. Nick Foles, now he got knocked out at the end of this game, and we had to unfortunately witness Tyler Bray go out there and throw five horrendous passes. One of them was a little dump off when they needed to score a touchdown to win. They even got a gift. The Vikings went ahead 19 to 13 and they missed the extra point. They had they got a gift. Now it's like you only need you know, best case you score a touchdown and you kick your extra point and then your defense holds to win by one. But I mean even still, you can there's so much time left in the game that you can still go and kick two field goals. Nope, not the Bears. Oh, Fools, 15 of 26, 106 yards. No touchdowns, got sacked twice. He was hurried a little bit. Man, he's just bad. There was a third and goal, and it's an all-out blitz by Minnesota. He's got his receiver in the slot. He's going to run a quick slant route. Just doesn't even look his way. He is just so timid back there. He's freaking out. He thinks he's going to get hit every play. 
He got knocked out, like I said, at the end of the game. It doesn't look like it's going to be anything serious. The Bears have a bye week. Thank God. Not because I'm hoping that they figure it out. Just because we don't get to see them. We don't have to see them next week. I'd rather watch the Jets. Because at least we know the Jets are dog shit. The Bears have a top... I mean, I think that the Bears are the best defense in the league. You can make an argument for the Steelers, but no defense does more for their team. Pittsburgh can move the ball. Big Ben had four touchdowns last night. I, I would That's a wet dream if you're a Chicago fan. I mean, God, you can't even, can't even sniff a touchdown. Six points by the offense in the second half, only 30 yards, only two first downs, nine first downs for the entire game. Are you kidding me? The Chiefs do that in, in the first quarter. You're out of your goddamn mind. Like, what? How does this happen? I think Matt Nagy's been a really good head coach, but, I mean, this is unbelievable. It's insane. And it starts It starts with the decision to bench Trubisky in that game against Atlanta. Pulled the trigger too soon. That was my one fear when he did that in week three. Trubisky wasn't having a good first half. He pulls him in the third quarter. Nick Foles goes out there, wins the game. I'm like, okay, cool. Now we've seen like vintage Nick Foles. Can he sustain that? Hell no. Like I said, he's Ryan Fitzpatrick without the amazing facial hair. That's who Nick Foles is. He's very hot and cold. He's been extremely cold, like Arctic chill. Awful. And so now, who knows off the bye what they're going to do. I would like to see Trubisky back because at least he's agile. He can move with his legs and he can get out of some of the pressure because his offensive line can't block this season, can't do anything right. So maybe we can get him on the edge and pick up some first downs that way. Oh, man. It's abysmal. There were there there were times last night, too, like wide receivers just wide open and Foles is just so timid back there. He can't do it, you know. And people hate on Jimmy Garoppolo with the Niners. I mean, you throw Jimmy G in this game, Bears win by a billion, right? You look at the Niners right now, like, you know, with they're still a great team. You throw Jimmy G in that game against the Saints, they probably win that game. Now, Drew Brees got knocked out of that game, but still, I mean, it's still a very competitive game, right? So it's like all these rumors, it's a little bit of a tangent, but all these rumors in the Bay Area, it's like, oh, is Jimmy G done as a Niner? It's like, hell no, dude. Like, he's he's a winner. He's won several games there. That's all he does is win, and he's been injured this year, you know? If he comes back 100% healthy, he's going to be great. Back to the Bears, though. They're five and five now. They've lost four straights. I want to. I don't want to take anything away from Minnesota. I think they played well enough to win. They've now won four straight or three straight in Minnesota. They're surging. Uh, they, their next few games, they play the Cowboys, I believe, next week. After that, easy schedule as well for the Bears. Like I said, they they have a bye, and then next, and then week twelve, we got Sunday Night Football at Lambeau taking on the Packers. So that's a loss. After that, they have the Lions, the Texans, both winnable games, and they have to go to Minnesota and play the Vikings. They'll probably lose that one. Then they're at Jacksonville, and then they play the Packers on the last game of the season. People think people at the beginning of the season were like, oh, that game's going to probably predict who wins the division. Uh, nay, nay. Green Bay's going to win the division. It's just a damn shame, man. It really is. And I don't know how you fix it. Trubisky's not the answer. Full stinks. But, I mean, this goes beyond whoever's playing quarterback here. I don't know what's going on. 
Let's shift to the Vikings a little bit, though. Kirk Cousins, he passed over 300 yards. Like I said, the Bears defense, there's only so much you can do. One of the receivers is going to pop off. Adam Thielen only caught four passes for 40 yards, but he did catch two touchdowns. Like I said, Justin Jefferson, the rookie, he's been one of the best rookie wide receivers out there. What a talented 2020 draft class. Sensational. But for Minnesota now, like I said, this makes it three wins in a row for them, and their schedule's looking nice these next couple. They play the Cowboys next week, then the Panthers, and then they play the Jaguars. All three of those games are very winnable. So you're looking at a 7-5 uh, and five team could sneak into that last wild card spot. Oh, man. Bears just piss me off so much. Bad news, Bears, man. They are awful. All right, let's get away from the Bears and football. We're going to talk about baseball now. As promised, so Tuesday I think is going to be the baseball-heavy episode. And then Wednesday... I think we're going to go with basket hoops. So next tomorrow is the NBA draft. And there's also been some trades going on. And then free agency for the NBA begins Friday. So I think that's the plan. Uh, I haven't really had a schedule. And now, I, I, you know, thinking about it yesterday, I think that's how we're going to go forward. So Monday will most likely be – or well, Monday will be the weekend recap, mainly NFL, but I might talk some – other sports as well, so like Dustin Johnson winning the Masters, that was a big deal. I also probably talked too much about his fiance, wife, whatever you want to call that. They have kids, so but they're not married. So Paulina Gretzky, I talked a little bit too much about her. That was my mistake. And then, so today, we'll probably focus more on baseball and then recap the Monday Night Football game. Wednesday will be predominantly basket hoops. Thursday, we will do my top 10 teams in the NFL and we'll also preview the Thursday Night Football. I might also dro- drop in some basket hoop or baseball news. And then Friday, obviously, we have the preview of all the week, the football Sunday action for that week. So we're getting structure, which is good. And I also need to figure out how to do this YouTube thing. It's my fault. I could totally put out a YouTube video. I'm just too harsh on myself. I want it to be perfect and I should just honestly just get something out there. I need to also be more active on social media. I'm working on it. It's a little, it's for me. It's it's just weird to talk in front of a camera, but I, I'm I'm getting better. It's like it's it's a confidence thing right now. So yeah, I don't I don't have a problem being honest with you. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm I'm an open book. Uh, so that that's where I'm at right now. Okay, let's shift to baseball, and I wanted to go over the awards that were given out. So last week, we had all the awards announced, so I'm just going to go through it here. Your American League MVP, Jose Abreu, he helped lead the White Sox to the first postseason appearance in 12 years. I believe he was a free agent signing this year, so yeah, great for them. Or no, I'm thinking of the Braves, my bad. I think he's been there for a little bit. He led the American League in RBIs with 60. He finished second in home runs with 19. And he had the fourth best average in baseball with a 317 average. He won the MVP six years after being named Rookie of the Year. Great player. You imagine if the White Sox still had Fernando Tatis Jr. with all their young players as well. You got to bray you along with Tim Anderson. Oh, man, that trade was a complete steal for the Padres. Your National League MVP, you got Freddie Freeman, all reliable. So he, for those of you who don't know, he had COVID during summer camp, and then he came back and battled, and all he did was just lead baseball in runs with 51 and finish second in on-base percentage with uh, 1.102 and also second in the National League with batting with 341. Uh, he got on base 
point at a 0.462 rate and his slugging was 0.64. I mean, just and he's also amazing at first base, by the way. He plays great defense. So, you know, one of the best guys out there. I remember uh, I think was it during this summer? God, it's been such a long year with COVID. Uh, I think he was mic'd up and he was talking is right before I think he got COVID. Uh, he was mic'd up just, you know, and he was just a, a blast to listen to. I love when they mic up players, not when they interview them during game, like during important games like they did this year with the A's center fielder, but you know, just having them mic'd up like they do with the NFL or the NBA. I think that's a really cool insight for the fans and people that enjoy the game. Your Cy Young winners in the American League, Shane Bieber. This is unanimous, of course. He was amazing. 41.1% strikeout rate, which is the lowest. I mean, it's or not the lowest. I mean, it's, that's the MLB record. I was going to say the lowest qualified ERA since 1969 with a 1.63, and he tied for the lowest opponent's average with a lowest opponent's average with a .167. It's he was incredible. It's a bummer that his lone postseason appearance was horrendous against the Yankees, but. Man, what a season. They don't, they don't get there without him. He was sensational. In the National League, and I'm pissed that this wasn't unanimous, Reds pitcher Trevor Bauer. This guy was sensational. He's changing the game at the pitcher position. I love his antics. I love the off-the-field stuff that he does. Just a great – it's one of those either you love him or you hate him, and I love him. He became the first Cincinnati Red to win the award after leading the National League with a point a 1.73 ERA. His, he held opponents' batting averages to .159. He had two shutouts. With no None of the other Cy Young candidates had any shutouts. He ranked second in strikeouts with 100. Bieber got that in first. And also second in strikeouts per inning. He lost, obviously, to Bieber there uh, with 12.3. Incredible pitching. And, yeah, I think for me, the MVPs make sense. You can maybe argue in the National League, Mookie Betts. But other than that, I like Abreu winning it. And then, obviously, the the, the unanimous choice in the American League for the Cy Young with, with Bieber. And then, for me, I don't know how he's not unanimous, but Trevor Bauer. Good, good for all of those guys. Happy for all of them. We move to the Rookie of the Year. And then the American League, Kyle Lewis, unanimous selection for him. Just the second rookie to lead his team in average with a batting average with a 262, which isn't outstanding. I mean, the Mariners did really suck. Uh, he led his team in the batting average, home runs with 11, and runs scored with 37. Also walks with 34. 34 walks for a rookie. That's really impressive. Uh, he was he was great out there in center field as well. Multiple home run robberies. Just a great player. Uh Hopefully Seattle gets it, keeps him for a long time. In the National League, now I don't want to take anything away from the winner here, relief pitcher Devin Williams. He was great. 27 innings pitched, only eight hits allowed, only one run earned, nine walks, 53 strikeouts. He struck out 53% of his 100 batters that he faced with a .33 ERA and a .09 batting average allowed. I mean, He's great. He becomes the first reliever to win Rookie of the Year since 2011. But, I mean, how can you not give it to – and I'm a little bit biased here, but how can you not give it to Jake Cronenworth for the Padres, second baseman? He came in as a first baseman. He wasn't even going to really play this year, except Hosmer got um, – I, I think it was food poisoning or something. It was a stomach illness, and 
Cronenworth had got his chance at first base, and then you couldn't keep him out of the lineup. Sensational. He had 285 this year, 15 doubles, 4 triples, 4 homers, 20 RBIs. The defense he played was outstanding, first at first base, and then at second base as well. He was incredible. I think he got robbed. I really do. Not taking anything away from Devin Williams, because he also won reliever of the year along in the National League. In the American League, it was Liam Hendricks. He was great. One of the reasons the A's made the playoffs there. But, God, man, Cronenworth got robbed. He really did. He was the player's choice for Rookie of the Year, and these old-timers robbed Cronenworth. They really did. Pissed me off. We moved to managers, and in the American League, this was hilarious. Kevin Cash was named the American League Manager of the Year. Now, obviously, uh, they don't take into consideration the postseason. If they did, then he would be nowhere near this award because of his decision that he made to pull Blake Snell when he did, and that essentially lost him the game. Say what you want. There's been people saying that it was the right move, but, I mean, you know, and he was thinking, you know, he's done analytics the whole year. He hasn't gone away from it, but, man, in that moment, you got to feel out the game, and he he got it wrong. He did. But he is named the AL Manager of the Year for – of the year, excuse me, for leading the Rays to the first American League East title since 2010. And he started off with 13 players on the IL in September. He had 59 different batting orders in 60 games. Like I said, he's an analytics guy, but in that moment against the Dodgers, shit the bet. He tied an MLB record also by using 12 different pitchers to record a save. Like I said, I love it. The, the Rays are the money ball, like the current money ball. Right, where the athletics were in Moneyball back in the day. Great movie. If you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix now. There you go. No, and they're not paying me to say that. I just love the mu- the movie. But yeah, you know, they're the current day Moneyball, right? I lo- you know I'm a big like I-, I like analytics. I'm a math guy. I appreciate it, but still, I you you got to go by feel there. You don't take your best pitcher out in that situation. You don't do it. Moving to the National League. Shout out to. Uh, Jace Tingler, I think he was, I think he finished second or third, but you got to give it to Don Mattingly. Uh, just he's the fifth to win a manager of the year and an MVP. He was great. He guided the Marlins to their first postseason appearance in 17 years. They also upset the Cubs. I mean, that that counts for something. And his the roster got completely overhauled due to the pandemic. They got hit very hard. They also brought in, they got aggressive during the trade deadline too, brought in Cattell, um is it Cattell? It's either Cattell or Starling. I think it's Starling Marte. They brought in Starling Marte that helped their team out. They got that series uh, win over the Cubs as well. Fell down to the Dodgers, unfortunately. But, yeah, I mean, great, great, great team. Or not the Dodgers. Who the, the Braves, excuse me. They lost to the Braves. But, yeah, so those are your big ones. Let's move to the Gold Glove real quick. Silver Slugger. I guess we can talk Silver Slugger. So in the American League center, Salvador Perez, first baseman, Jose Abreu, Abreu, second baseman, DJ LeMayu. It's going to be interesting to see where he goes. Third baseman, Jose Ramirez, he got hot very late in the season. He was great. Uh, Shortstop, Tim Anderson for the White Sox. Like I said, they got a bunch of talent there. Uh, Outfielder, Teoscar Hernandez for the Jays. Outfielder, Eloy Jimenez for the White Sox. Outfielder, Mike Trout for the Angels. And then D.H. Nelson Cruz for the Twins. He was sensational as well. For the National League, catcher, Travis Darno for the Braves. First baseman, Freddie Freeman. Ayo. Uh, Second baseman, Donovan Solano. He had a very quiet season for the Giants. They were in contention 
down the stretch. They uh, they really had a shot. Third baseman Manny Machado, Kimu. Shortstop Fernando Tatis Jr., Kimu. Outfielder Rana Acuna Jr. Look at the talent, man, for the Braves. Outfielder Mookie Betts for the Dodgers. Outfielder Juan Soto, DH Marcelo Zuna. All these guys are so young. Baseball's in good hands, man. We move to the Gold Glove. We'll start with the American League. Roberto Perez for the Indians. They got a, they got great catchers in Cleveland. First baseman Evan White for the Mariners. Second baseman Cesar Hernandez for the Indians. Third baseman Isaiah Caner Falefa. Some of these names, man, for the Rangers. Shortstop J.P. Crawford for the Mariners. Left fielder Alex Gordon for the Royals. He made some great catches. Center field Luis Robert for the White Sox. Right fielder Joey Gallo for the Rangers. And then pitcher Griffin Canning for the Angels. Best team was voted the Cleveland Indians. The platinum glove went to Alex Gordon for the Royals. Like I said, he made great plays out in left field. For the National League, we got the – for catcher, we got Tucker Barnhart, best catcher in baseball last year. He was great. Caught two – I mean, he caught Bauer. He was sensational with Bauer. And um, Besides Bauer, great uh, rotation they got there in Cincinnati. First baseman, Anthony Rizzo for the Cubs. No surprise there. He's great. Second baseman, Colton Wong. Had a rough series against the Padres in the postseason, but – one of the best defensive second basemans in baseball. Third baseman, Nolan Arenado. Now, you could make a, a case for Manny Machado here. You really could. Because Machado was sensational. But Nolan Arenado improved on his defensive stats this year. So you got to give it to Arenado. He's, uh, he's amazing. He's really good. Uh, at shortstop, Javier Baez for the Cubbies. Left fielder, Tyler O'Neill for the Cardinals. He was good. Center fielder, Trent Grisham for the Padres. Come on. In right field, no surprise here. Mookie Betts for the Dodgers. And then pitcher, Max Fried for the Braves. Best team was the Cubs. And then the Platinum Glove went to Nolan Arenado. He is a brick wall at third base. He is. But Machado is right there. Speaking of the Padres, so I wanted to shout out that Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis finished third and fourth in MVP voting, respectively. And also, Denelson Lamech, starting pitcher for the Padres, he finished fourth in the Cy Young voting. So, yeah, man, the future looks bright in San Diego. Before, I, I want to talk some more Pod Squad because there was some news that came out with uh, Mike Clevenger and then Lamech with his injury. So, I want to talk about that. But before I do, I wanted to mention. Something that got announced this morning. It's an end of an era at Wrigley Field. Theo Epstein, the Cubs president of baseball operations, he is stepping down. GM Jed Hoyer is going to be taking his place. So his contract expires next year. Epstein thinks that uh, executives have about a 10-year shelf life, and then they, then they kind of get fired or they move on or things like that. And so... He, got a, he has a year left on his contract, but he's stepping down now. One of the best executives to ever do it, man. He snapped the Red Sox drought with a win in 2004, and they also won in 2007. Then he came to the Cubs, and he'll forever be remembered. He'll be, I don't know if he'll be enshrined, but he'll ever be remembered for breaking the 108-year drought when the Cubs won the World Series in 2016. It was sensational. One of the best moments of my life. It was great. He accomplished what he said he would. Not a lot of guys can do that. Not a lot of people can do that. He No empty promises. He set out to win the Cubs at World Series, and that's exactly what he
He did. He's one of five executives to. He's one of five executives to lead multiple organizations to a title. Just what a great job he did, man. I just remember like they hired him, and it was like I was so excited because of the Red Sox success he had. He made great signings, right? He brought in Lester, Jake Arrieta, you know, people like that. Uh, he was he was great, one of the best to do it, man. He was sensational. It was just a little bit. It's time for him to go. Essentially, it, it really is. Uh, you know, it just, it just hasn't worked out these past couple of years. That trade for you, Darvish, a couple of years back, uh, he wasn't when they got Darvish. He wasn't pitching um, pitching his best stuff. And then this year, he almost won the Cy Young Award. So, you know, there's a couple of down years too. The key guys as well, they've been really struggling. Uh, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo. Javier Baez, people like that. Uh, so it's just it's time for a new change of scenery, a new rotation. Epstein thinks that uh, he a, a third team is probably in the future for him. Another go around is what he wants. He's done it with two teams. Why not go for the third? I'm uh, gonna miss him. Uh, thank you, Theo, for all your hard work, and uh, Chicago loves you. But, yeah, it looks like the Cubs are going to go in a new direction. GM, Jed Hoyer, like I said, taking over. I'm sure he'll do a great job. Uh, but the rumor is that several key players from that 2016 team are either on the trade block or the Cubs are willing to trade them. It's time for a different direction, get some new blood in the Cubs uh, dugout. We'll see what happens there. For starters, they didn't sign John Le They didn't um, – pick up John's uh, John Lester's extension. So they might be looking to ship him along with guys like Javier Baez and Chris Bryant. So we'll see what goes on there. Let's talk pod squad. So starting pitcher, Shun Sunshine, Mike Clevenger. We re-signed him for a two-year, $11.5 million contract, which is great. He just, with the long hair and the tats, he just, bleed San Diego. Like he, he I love the signing when we got him. Like I knew he was going to fit right in. It's great. Unfortunately, it's been some bad news. So he got injured before the postseason, right? And then he came back in that one game to try to pitch against the Dodgers. Didn't work out. And he needs Tommy John surgery. I believe he had it today. Um, it's his second Tommy John surgery, which is not great. Um, and he's also going to miss next season. So we're signing him to a two-year deal, but he's only really going to pitch one, which is a bummer. To Nelson Lametto, in uh, you know, in silver lining, so he finished fourth in the Cy Young voting. Like I said, he also missed the postseason. Well, Clevenger pitched the game, but he, he 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 tried to go out there, but he couldn't do it. And then Lamet, he just was he couldn't go out there. He had an elbow injury as well. He doesn't need Tommy John surgery, thank goodness. AJ Preller says that the reports are good, and he should be able to start throwing in December, start his regular throwing program in December, which is great. We're going to need to bring another starting pitcher in, most likely. I don't know if we can afford somebody like Trevor Bauer. Uh, maybe we could go for you, Darvish, if they want. If the Cubs want to sell high. In that situation, I don't know. I think that they'll probably keep him. 
I don't know what's going on. I think the, the Cubs, even though they might be looking to rebuild, will still try to be competitive next year. We'll see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Trevor Bauer is a big name, but there's another guy too. Obviously, we we have the Chris Paddock situation. He was not great in the postseason. Struggle. He was up and down all year. We don't know what we're going to do to him. Garrett Richards, I think, was solid. Zach Davies had a great season, one of the best seasons of his career. A guy that we brought over for the back of our rotation that we didn't think was going to be anything special, but he ended up being one of our best pitchers all year. Postseason, had a couple of rocky, rocky starts. Uh, what are you going to do? So, yeah, I think they're going to have to bring in another guy. I don't know if he's maybe not the big name guy like Trevor Bauer, but somebody else that's a free agent, bring them in. Hey, maybe even maybe see if Lester's available. You know, like near the back end of his career, a guy that you could probably pitch third or fourth in your rotation, has that postseason experience that you're looking for. We'll see what happens, man. I, I trust Preller. I backed the move to get Clevenger. There's been talk, right, because he's going to have this Tommy John surgery that, oh, man, we should have never traded for this guy in the first place. Like, man, we we got aggressive. We tried to go for it, and we just, you know, it, it, we came up short with these injuries, man. It, it really is a shame. I'm excited, man. I miss baseball. I'm ready for these trades and this free agency news to come in. I, I want spring training to happen. It's a couple months away now. Hopefully things get back to normal and we get a full season of baseball. I can go to Petco, drink an over overpriced beer, and uh, sing some Take Me Out to the Ball game. That would be great. All right, to close out today's show, I'm going to get a little bit serious, something I, you know, I feel like I'm a pretty relaxed, funny guy. Uh, but I wanted to follow up on the Marlins hiring of Kim Ang as their GM. So for those of you that didn't hear the story, on fr- last Friday it was announced she became the first female GM. I briefly talked about this on last Friday's episode, but I feel like I didn't at- articulate my point very well. I just briefly touched on it. So I wanted to talk about this hiring again go more in depth about the signing. And so that's what we're going to do right now. So Kim Ang, she has worked in baseball for over 30 years. It says 30 plus years. Is that 31? Is that 39? It's 30 plus. Deal with it. Uh, She began as an intern in 1990 with the Chicago White Sox. Then she was hired full time the next year and then worked her way up to the club's assistant director in 95. And she remained with Chicago through 96, and then she started working for the American League office in 97. In 98 to 2001, she was the Yankees assistant general manager from 2002 to 2011. She was a Dodgers vice president and assistant GM. She's also the she, – and then after that, from 2011 to 2020, before she became the Marlins GM, she was a senior vice president of baseball operations for Major League Baseball. So this woman has been around baseball for forever. All right. Now, I want to start with this, okay, because it's a big deal. All right. It's the first woman, first female GM in Major League Baseball. First, like, I, I maybe the first female GM in male sports. I'm not sure. All right. No, it's a very big deal. Okay. And I want to get that across. I don't want to take anything away. Like, I understand the historic relevance. I, I get it. It's a big deal. And I'm very, I, I don't know why I'm saying this. I, I, if you know me, like, I, I'm, if you know me, like, it's obvious. But I'm very pro-woman, okay? Like, I don't consider myself a feminist because I don't think that you can be, as a male, 
I don't know. I support women, okay, but I don't think I can be a feminist because I, I haven't gone through the same struggle. So from like, but I I you know, I, I go woman, but like I don't think like I don't have guys hitting on like you know I don't have guys or women hitting on me when I'm like in an office or something. You know, like there's just certain things that I as a dude I'm I don't have access to. I like I don't know what that feeling is like. So I I, I can't call myself a feminist. A fem. Oh my goodness, a feminist, but. Obviously, I support women, and I, and this is great for them and for baseball. I grew up in a very um, woman-dominated household. Uh, I am the the lone the lone uh, boy child in my family. It was my dad and my mom, and then uh, they divorced, and then my dad remarried to my stepmom, and then they had my youngest sister Vivian. And so it was just me and my dad in a household by woman, dominated by woman, right? And uh, the woman that I grew up with, I grew up around very strong, independent woman. All right, my mom, my stepmom, my grandma Fran, my stepmom's mom, Grandma Joanne. All of them very strong, just awesome women. They just kick ass, take names like they're great. I understand the importance of the hiring of Kim Ang, right? First woman in that position. But for me, when I heard this news, I wasn't I wasn't shocked. I wasn't stunned. I wasn't it wasn't a holy shit moment. For me, it, like it was only a matter of time. Because I've seen these women in my life, not just my immediate family, but you know, I've, I've there's friends who have kick-ass moms or just strong, independent moms, right? That just rule the world, right? Rule, rule their domain with an iron fist, you know. And so, like for me, it wasn't. It was only a matter of time for this to happen. I understand the importance. I get that there was a time when women weren't treated equally to men. And I, you could even argue that it's still not the case. I think that there's always going to be certain biases or sexism, whatever you want to call it, or double standards um, for, for male and female. I think that that's something that's always going to happen. Now, there's maybe parts of that belief coming down or there's certain rules or biases that are changing and morphing into something else. But I think that there's always going to kind of be those roles. Whether it's, you know, I think that I think that's just more of like a biological sense that there's kind of always going to be those roles. That's just my opinion. Uh, you can you can disagree, agree with me if you want. That's just my two cents on it. The point I want to make is that Kim Ang is an extremely qualified person who's been damn good at her job in baseball in major in the major league baseball in major league baseball in the major league baseball Jesus she's been an extremely qualified person who's damn good at her job and she just happens to be a woman she just happens to be an asian american woman that's my point i don't know if it's maybe i'm not seeing the the full big pitch picture here I don't know if it's maybe it's the way I was raised with a you know strong woman in my household, and you know friends that have um, their moms being strong women as well. But for me, I feel like people 
in this, I mean, as I've grown up and then especially now, I feel like people go out of their way to define themselves by their race, their religion, their gender, sexual sexual orientation, you name it. Or there's people defining them by those traits. And I and I wish and I think that and eventually it will get to the point where people will be defined by their their accomplishments, their character, their personalities, and not the things that we can see with our eyes, right? There was an announcement today. I believe it was I think it was today. I it might have been yesterday. I just read it today. But Monday Night Football is going to be refed by an all African crew. Now, when I first read that, my initial reaction isn't like, oh, like as a black African American. Well, Johnny, not that. Okay. As a caramel macchiato, all right, it's it's more of a caramel. I'm there's white people that are darker than me, okay? I expect I accept that it's, you know, it is what it is. I wasn't I wasn't cooked in the oven as long, okay? But as somebody who who would define themselves as black or African American, when I hear this news, it's not like, oh, finally it's about time. For me, it's like, are they going to ref this game well? Like how how's the officiating going to be? Not that they can't do it, but like are they like for me it it I don't care that they're black. Like, is it going to be a good officiated game? That's my concern. I could give two shits about what color. They could be transgender, Asian, gay, straight. I, I don't care. Like, are they good at their job? Are they good reps? That's my point. Last a couple weeks ago, there was a story with Mike Tomlin. He passed Tony Tony Dungy Tony Dungy, excuse me, for the most wins by a black head coach. For me, that undermines his accomplishment as a head coach like for me like i get that there's people that see them in this position people that look like me i mean that are darker than me probably <laughs> um that see him in that position like wow like i can go and be a head coach because he's a head coach i get that for me like i've never seen my my skin color as an obstacle maybe that was the culture i was brought up with brought up with I don't know but it's never been like something that I've thought wow I can't do this because of my skin color or because I'm gay or straight or things like that I didn't give two shits what people thought about me I knew who I was as a person my content my character like that's what I focused on and so for me when I read this story it pissed me off because I think Mike Tomlin is one of the best coaches in football right now and I think Tony Dungy is one of the best head coaches to ever do it and for me to like say that like for for the headline to be black coach instead of like fantastic head coach Tony Dungy who just happens to be black that should just be a secondary note it shouldn't be the he the headline that's what upsets me cuz i feel like all this attention is based on like our f just our physical traits and it's not like who we are as a person and it it bums me out man it really upsets me to close out what I'm saying here, I the historic relevance is obvious, right? First woman in like in a GM position in baseball, like it's great. All right, congratulations to Kim Ng. She's gonna kill it. I know she is. She's gonna kill it in Miami. I'm just hopeful that we get to a point where we don't give as much attention to someone's race 
their religion, their sexual orientation, their gender, you name it. I hope that it just becomes something that's not even brought up in conversations. It's just more like, yeah, Kim Ang, she's a great, I don't know if she's a mother or not, but like, she's a, you know, just a great person. She's nice. She's caring. She, you know, is considerate and she's wicked smart at her job. And that's why we selected her as a Marlins. I'm not insinuating that she was only selected because she's a woman. I'm just saying the fact that she's a woman is irrelevant to her job. The fact that Mike Tomlin is is black and Tony Dungy are black or is irrelevant to their job. They're just amazing head coaches. And I hope that Kim Ang is going to be a phenomenal GM and kick everybody's asses and hope the Marlins take off from here. Right? I'll be rooting for them. But let's focus on people's character traits and not what they look like. Judge me by not judge me not by the color of my skin, but the content of my character. Wise words by Martin Luther King Jr. and I am hopeful that it's going to happen eventually. It's only a matter of time until we finally get there. All right, that is enough for me. I hope that I did that justice. I feel like I got everything across that I wanted to say. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, if you like this episode, feel free to share it with friends, family, hell, even strangers if you want. I'll take anybody. You can also follow me on Twitter if you want, at John Yerkes. You can follow the podcast on Instagram, at Yerkes Talks. You can also follow on Spotify and subscribe to Apple Podcasts. Also, before I go, quick shout out. Happy birthday, Mom. I love you very much. It says here you're turning 30. Um, that math does not add up. I'll let you know, but I'm going to go with it. So uh, happy birthday to mom. I love you very much. All right. I'm going to get out of here. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. Go watch some sports. I love you, mom. Happy birthday. And I will see you in the next one.